Welcome to the Teaching Middle School ELA Podcast. We're your hosts, Caitlin Mitchell and Jessica Kanata. If you're looking for ways to bring rigor and engagement to your middle school ELA classroom without sacrificing your nights and weekends, then this podcast is for you. Our goal is to provide you with your weekly dose of tips, tools, and inspiration so you can actually enjoy teaching again. We'll help you bring the fun and creativity to your ELA lessons so that your students master the standards and you can leave school when the bell rings. Get ready to be that teacher you've always wanted to be to do great work and thrive. All right, everybody, welcome back to another week on the Teaching Middle School ELA podcast. We are super stoked about this particular topic that we are going to be talking about. It actually comes from a question that we got from one of our EB teachers in our Facebook group. Um, Before we dive in, Jess, is there anything that you want to preface this episode with or that you want to add? Well, I just think this is such a relevant question to so many teachers. I think we've all experienced this. We're going to be talking about independent reading, right? With our reluctant readers. And I am just excited to get into it because when I was doing research for this and thinking back on being in the classroom, like it, it really hit me, right? Like I experienced this. I wish I would have had some tips to make it better for my own students. And if I was in the classroom, I would definitely be doing these things. Yeah, absolutely. It's something I struggled with too, quite Mm -hmm. frankly. This was like, I felt like the hardest part of teaching for me, um, was dealing with, with reading and reluctant readers and getting them engaged. So we have four great strategies that we're going to cover today. Each strategy, we kind of break down a little bit further and talk about um, in more depth. So the question came from one of our teachers in the EV Teachers Club. And her question was, how do I get my reluctant readers engaged in independent reading when they just won't do it? (laughs) That's a great question. And we're going to talk about different ways to, to help that student along. And this student was my husband. My husband hated reading still to this day, hates reading. That's so interesting. That was my brother. We joke that he had like his one go-to book in elementary (laughs) school that he'd just read over and over again. Because he found one he liked, right? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I think I'm trying to think of, there was one book that Bob read that he loved and I think it was the Nike one. Um, Oh gosh, I can't think of what it is. Shoe something. I'll have to go find it and share it on Instagram. It's, It's a great book. I really like um, just the, the layout of it, like learning about the history of Nike was fascinating. Um, it's a really interesting book, but anyways, that's a total side note and we digress. (laughs) (laughs) So before we dive into these four strategies to get your students engaged in their reading in your classroom, uh, we actually recorded another podcast episode recently with my friend, Melissa from reading and writing Haven on why to not use reading logs. And I think that that episode ties really nicely into this one as well. Um, you can go watch it over on our YouTube channel too, which I think might be helpful because she kind of holds up one of the strategies that she uses. And it's great to see that visual. And that's episode 153, just as a little FYI, if you want to go check that one out as well. So let's dive in. So if you are a teacher who has experienced all these things that we've just talked about, right? You have reluctant readers in your classroom. They, you know, don't enjoy reading during silent, sustained reading time. They're constantly abandoning books, right? They are aimlessly, I know I have a student in my mind as I'm saying this, they're aimlessly (laughs) picking books at the back of your classroom, right? At your classroom library, they're just standing there. And you're like, weren't you just standing there yesterday? I think they spend the majority of reading time standing Mm -hmm. at the library, not picking a book, right? So if you're like, oh, that sounds totally familiar. I'm experiencing that same exact thing in my classroom. We're also willing to bet that you know the value, right? Of independent reading time in your classroom. So you're experiencing this, you know how important reading is in your classroom. And it's like, 
how do we mesh the two together with these students who are reluctant, who aren't engaged in their reading and get them to see the importance that we know reading has in their lives. I remember telling my students time and time again, if there's one thing that you do, just read. I'm like, forget doing your homework, quite frankly, just read. Like that's the best possible thing that you can do. Absolutely. The most bang for your buck. Totally. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So we've broken this down into four different kind of components of strategies. And the first one, Jessica, I will let you start with it. Number one, what do we want to focus on? We want to focus on our classroom culture. And I'm going to take a step back for a second. So I'm willing to bet, you know, you're probably doing SSR, independent reading in your classroom. And I'm guessing you've picked the right time in your schedule. Maybe it's the end of class, beginning of class to put it in for your curriculum for the year. But have you ever really thought about how you've structured it, right? It's like part of your plan book, but have you taken the time to really be intentional with that? And that's what this first strategy is all about, that classroom culture. So I'm going to give you some questions you might want to ask yourself and see if you're doing it in the classroom and maybe some tips then to improve that independent reading time. So the first is we want to ask ourselves, have we set our students up to successfully read independently, right? Maybe they don't know how to do that. We need a model for them. What does that look like in the classroom? What is the expected behavior when I am reading a book? How do I even choose an appropriate book, right? That student that Caitlin was thinking of earlier, that's just in the back of the classroom, looking through books in the library. Maybe they never really learned how to pick a just right book. Mm -hmm. So that's the first question. How do we set them up for success? Then we want to think about, okay, I've got all these books in my library. How can I showcase them to my students, right? I'm willing to bet that if you've been in the classroom for a while, you probably have a pretty substantial library. So how can we get those books into our students' hands? Are we going to do first chapter Fridays where we read them, you know, that very first chapter and hook them and then they all bake for that book? Are we going to find book trailers on YouTube and show it to them? Are we going to do a book tasting? I personally love those. If you're an EB Teachers Club member, remember you have access to that as one of your bundles. It's so much fun to get a bunch of different books in your students' hands because we want to showcase all the different options we have. It's it's like you're a chance to be matchmaker, right? <laughs> you know there's certain books that students in your class are just going to love and you want to get it in their hands. Next question that has to do with the culture in your classroom for reading is you want to ask, all right, am I going to have check-ins with my students during independent reading time? What is that going to look like? Am I meeting with them once a week, once a month? Are they going to meet with each other and talk about their books? What does that look like so that you can best prepare for it? Next, what is the noise level you expect in your classroom? I know I've gone into some classrooms during independent reading time and it's chaos. I'm like, how can anyone read when it's like this? You know, the phone's ringing, there's music on, students are walking around, they're talking to each other. And I'm like, I just, I can't do it. So it doesn't have to be, you know, silent the entire time, but is there a certain noise level you expect? Will you play, you know, instrumental music at times, certain days of the week, whatever it is, but set that culture for your student. Next. What are your reading expectations? Are there a certain amount of books you want your students to read each week, each month, each the whole year, whatever it is, right? Can they read only one genre all year or do you expect them to read a bunch of different genres? Next, are students going to respond to the text? And this is the episode Caitlin was just talking about with reading logs, right? Are you going to use reading logs or maybe you're going to do something t- totally different? Or are students just reading for pleasure? And that's totally fine with you. Next question. Can students give up on books they don't like? 
I love this question because I think this is so natural, right? Caitlin, I'm sure even now you've start books. You don't like them. You're done, right? Totally. I do the same thing. Yes. <laughs> it happens, right? If it doesn't hook us, we're done. And that's fine. And I think it's really important for students to know they don't have to finish a book if they don't like it. But how many books that they abandon? Is that too many, right? You know, if they're doing it every single day or week, maybe we need to have time for a little conference, right? And find Mm -hmm. a book that they won't abandon because we don't want them spending their time in the back of the classroom, just picking a book, abandoning it, picking a book, abandoning it. Mm -hmm. Next one. What's your policy on restrooms and water breaks during independent reading time? It might seem silly, but there's always going to be those students who are like, oh, this is the perfect time for (laughs) me to go wander the halls, right? And they wait until this time. Just be aware of that. Set those expectations with your students. Or if you notice a particular student getting up at the same time, every class period to go do that, it might be time for a little chat. Mm -hmm. Um, Finally, what are you doing during independent reading time? Are you reading as well? Are you modeling for your students? I used to love doing that in the classroom, bringing in my book from home, telling them what it was about for a minute and then diving right in. Or are you reading sometimes on your own and then conferencing with students? So just thinking of all these questions really helps set the tone, the classroom culture for independent reading, and makes you more strategic with that time because we have those reluctant readers. And sometimes we just assume like, well, I'm doing independent reading, like I should be good to go. But if we ask ask ourselves these questions, we might see, okay, I'm not setting my students up for success because I haven't created a classroom culture that allows them to be successful. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so important is just that self-awareness, right? Mm-hmm. And for, and the way that we have self-awareness is by asking those questions, right? Yeah. Asking questions of ourselves. And I think there's something really powerful to be said about people who are super self-aware of their strengths and their weaknesses and the areas that they need to improve. So I think that's a great list of questions to go through and just really think about like, what am I doing to enhance this reading culture in my classroom? Am I hindering it or am I helping it? And what areas can I improve? I love that. It makes me think that last point when I taught eighth grade, most recently I was reading teach like Finland. Have you read Mm -hmm. that book before? I have a while ago though. Okay. And so I was reading that during our independent reading time and I would share with them what I was learning. And so every day when we would sit down to be like, Oh, what are you, what are you learning about now? Like, what Mm -hmm. did you learn about in the book? Like, because I take what I was learning and implement some of that in my classroom, like immediately with my students. And it was really cool for them to see how I was enhancing and changing my role as a professional, as the teacher in the classroom, because of a book that I was reading was having a direct impact on what was happening in our classroom. So So cool. I just love that little anecdote. Um, okay. So classroom culture, number one, number Mm -hmm. two is you really want to make independent reading a priority, right? So this is what I was just talking about that. I set aside time every single day in my class for my students to read. So you want to have these conversations with yourself, you know, how am I going to make independent reading a priority in my classroom for my students? This might be the only time that your students have to read. They might be in a place after school where they have sports and they're going from this to that. And who knows what's going on at home that they might not have that time to actually sit down at night and read for a half an hour or for even 10 minutes. So to give them this time in class is hugely valuable and important to building that reading stamina, that love of learning, that frequency that students are doing this. So are you going to have independent reading every single day? Are you going to do it every single week? Whatever it is, you want to keep it as consistent as possible so that it becomes a habit, right? We want to build those habits for our students. And we don't want it to be that thing that 
we just skip, right? Like I always had independent reading at the very end of my class period for 10 minutes. And there are a whole reasons why we do this. I think we've talked about this on past episodes before. Definitely. Where those last 10 minutes, it's so easy for you to be working on something. Maybe students are doing a Socratic seminar or a silent debate and you're having great discussion and you just want to keep going. So you take away from independent reading time. And that tells our students either consciously or subconsciously that, hey, this isn't as valuable as this other thing we're doing. And it takes away from that value of reading that you are trying to show your students, quite frankly, in your classroom. So we like to do it every single day in our classrooms, if you can. The other thing that I did um, at the school where we taught when I taught seventh and eighth grade was we read every single day. But then on Fridays, our class periods were so short. They were like, I don't know, 25 minutes or yes. something like that. We got out early that day. So yeah, we got it. It was so nice. It was we got at 1230 every oh, Friday. The best. I mean, we had faculty meetings, but sometimes our principal would just let us go home and oh, say like, my goodness. go to your yeah. classroom, quote unquote, <laughs> you know, I'll see you on <laughs> Monday it. type thing. Um, but on Fridays, because those class periods were so weird, I just had either a vocab test or like a grammar test. And then the rest of the class period was sent, spent reading. That was mm-hmm. it. And that's what we did on Fridays. And it was just such a beautiful thing to really start to see students just fall into these books for long periods of time in class. So make independent reading a priority in your classroom. All right. Strategy number three, take an inventory of your classroom library. So I was thinking about this. I have taught at four different schools. And I feel like at every school I went into, I seemed to inherit the classroom from a teacher that had been there for like 30 years or something like that. Same. And they were like, you, yeah. And they would always say like the principal or, you know, someone on the stuff, oh, they left you all their books in their library. It's great. And yes, that is so kind and so wonderful. But I would look through those books and I would say, oh my goodness, like, I don't want a lot of these. I remember again at the school we worked at, it was a male teacher before me. He literally had been there for 30 years. I don't know if you ever met him, Caitlin, but um, he had like a bunch of Wild West stories and history books and they were cool, but they were gathering dust. They were so outdated. I just knew I was fourth grade at the time. I knew my fourth graders weren't going to gravitate toward those. They were way beyond their level. So I had to kind of purge out some of those books and donate them and get books into the library that I knew my students would like. I also want to make sure that they had access to books at their reading level, right? Just like I mentioned, a lot of those history books in that classroom were for probably seventh or eighth graders. A nine or 10-year-old is going to struggle with that, or most nine and 10-year-olds will. So I need to make sure I have a variety of books, maybe some picture books, maybe some even early reader books for my students who just want to be successful during independent reading time, but never have anything to choose from. Another thing you look for when you do an inventory of your classroom library is series. Really start to think about, do you have books that um, are part of a series in your library? I loved this as a student. They had the babysitter's club books in my classrooms and probably like third, fourth, and fifth grade. Oh my gosh, I would devour those, right? And I see it with my own son now, Jameson. He's a good reader, but it's not his favorite thing. He's going to pick sports any day of the week instead of independent (laughs) reading time. But his teacher has series in his classroom. So Jameson is now all about those I survived books or the mysteries, A to Z mysteries, I think they're called. And because he can just read one after the other, he's bought into it. And he's Mm -hmm. actually excited to tell me about those books. We want that same experience for our students. And research shows that students engage more in series books. They Um, are invested in the characters more. They want to know what happens, right? So they continue reading. 
And I think of this with my own students at the most recent school I was at, a bunch of the girls were into the selection mm-hmm. series, which then of course they convinced me I had to read. I think you read them too, right? <laughs> no, Kate, I like, didn't. I started did. to, oh and I was gosh. like, I just, no. You abandoned the book. Yes, I abandoned them. <laughs> <laughs> and that's okay. Um, if you don't know them, it's seriously, it's like teenage romance, the bachelor all wrapped in one. (laughs) They were into it though. So I thought I'd give it a try. They were interesting, but they loved those books and they'd come in at recess to read because it was part of a series and they wanted to keep going. So take a minute to look through your library and just see, are there books in there that your students really will connect with and respond to? And maybe it's time to go through and donate a few of those books and maybe put in some new ones if you can. Yeah. I have two things that I want to add to this. Yeah. As we're talking, I'm like, so first one's first with the series. Like I immediately thought of Outlander and oh there, are, there are book series that I haven't read the yes. books, but I've been Caitlin's watching obsessed, you, all. <laughs> you guys, I can't even, I'm going to rewatch the whole series again. <laughs> um, but it's just like any show that we watch on Netflix. We just keep watching the shows. Mm-hmm. Like Bob and I are watching Medici right now on Netflix also. And I like, I can't stop watching it. It's 1130. I'm like, I gotta go to bed, but I want to keep watching One the show. More, right? Same yeah. thing with these types of books for our students. So I love that suggestion. The other thing that I wanted to say was in terms of like building your classroom library, I've gone through this a couple of times because I left middle school and went to fifth grade. So I had to re yeah. basically build a library for my fifth grade classroom. And same thing when I went back to seventh and eighth grade, um, I had given away a lot of my books. And so I had to rebuild that classroom library too. And it can get super, super expensive. Um, and obviously we don't want to do that. So I used to go to our local used bookstore and I was able to get some really good books for like a dollar or $2. And if I told them I was a teacher, oftentimes they gave me a bigger discount. Um, and then the other thing that I did is after my own students finished a book, I would ask them if you want to donate your book to the library after you finish it, I would absolutely love that. It would mean, you know, so much to, to our class. Um, and I had so many students after they'd finished a book that it was just going to sit at home with them. They would mm-hmm. just donate it to our classroom library. That is so cool. I'm just thinking like, if you did that in your classroom, you could even take it a step further and have like that student write a little note in the front of like, this is why I loved this yeah. book or what I re- recommend about it. And it just makes it special. And students will say, I remember that student from a few years ago or whatever it is. Totally. A cool yeah. thing to do. I love that. Um, so that was to take an inventory of your classroom library. So to reiterate so far, we have focusing on classroom culture, asking ourselves all of those questions, making independent reading a priority, then taking an inventory of your classroom library. And then the last thing that we want to do is we really want to find a way to motivate our students. Um, and Melissa talked about this on episode 153 with me as well. Um, and talking about that intrinsic motivation for our students, like how do we build that for them when it comes to reading? Um, and she talks about that. So you can go listen to that episode, but some other suggestions to add to that as well is if, if you feel like it's a good fit for your students, you could utilize like an app, like Goodreads might be something cool to bring into your classroom so they can, you know, know, write reviews and read reviews from their friends. Um, for me, Goodreads makes me actually feel bad about myself. I joined it and I was like, Oh, all my friends are reading so many more books than I am. (laughs) And I kind of like, I gave up on Goodreads. So that was for me, but for some students who might be very motivated by that competition with their friends, that might be a great platform for them to use. Um, and I would make that probably more of a student opted in type of, uh, situation. Um, so that mm-hmm. there are students who are like me who, who won't do it, <laughs> who won't push back against that. Um, and then also just to really make independent reading time special in your classroom. You know, if you go look on our blog from years ago, I have pictures of my classroom and we, I just created like this special little nook. I always decorated it for any holidays that we were able to celebrate in my classroom. You know, I had little sparkling lights there. And what are those things on the floor? Like the, 
like floor pillows basically oh yeah yeah I remember that from your class yeah yeah like floor pillows like a special carpet um sometimes I'd put on like the YouTube fireplace and like make it all cozy if it was like a (laughs) rainy day um but just really building kind of this like uh, like Mm, experience for them, if you will, when they were reading. And I would even let my students kind of sit wherever they wanted. Some of my students would sit under their desks and be like in a cozy little nook. Um, Some students wanted to sit out in the hall. So some students want to sit outside. So it really was just this like, Hey, this is this really special time that we get to experience together. And I think that that just motivates them to look forward to that time that you've set aside in your class as well. You know, that my student Sammy gets to sit under his desk at the end of the day and read, you know, that makes him happy. Um, and he, something for him to look forward to all of our students as well. Um, so just a simple little thing to wrap up, write our four strategies to share with you. Yeah. I like that last one. Now it makes me want to go like cozy up and read. I'm reading a good book right now. What Just are you reading? Plug for you teachers. It's called Mary Jane, a mom in Jameson's class passed it on to me and I'm like hooked and it takes place in the seventies. It's interesting so far. Oh, interesting. But yeah. I'm reading out. a book about raising four-year-olds. That's what Oh, I'm fun times. <laughs> <laughs> um, so to wrap up this episode, right? We want you to remember that you're not going to engage your, those reluctant readers overnight with reading all of a sudden. It's an ongoing process. Cut ourselves some slack, right? But we have to remember we can't remain passive about independent reading and think it's just enough to just schedule it into our scope and sequence and we're good. Mm-hmm. Rather, we have to be intentional with it. We have to structure that independent reading time and then actively show students more engaging books and get those books into their hands. Because when students have consistent reading time in class with interesting books, eventually, yes, they're going to develop a love and a stamina for reading. So hopefully these strategies just gave you some ideas of ways to reflect on how you're using independent reading in the classroom and what you can do to maybe um, bring it to life a little bit more. Yeah. And if you are an EB Teachers Club member, make sure that you go check out our July 2020 bundle. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure what number issue that is. Um, If you were a teacher, uh, part of the EB Teachers Club, then you already have it, but you can always go back and grab that issue if it's something that you're interested in. But I just love the way that that one is structured for building right this culture of reading in your classroom from the get-go. And it's something that you could use now when you're listening to this in December. Maybe you're thinking about this in December and you're like, when I go back to school in the new year, this is what I'm going to be focusing on, right? This is like my next thing that I'm going to enhance in my classroom. And that Um, bundle that Caitlin's talking about, that's our book tasting bundle. So much fun with food trucks and we've got an ice cream version. Like it's just fun. There's a lot of student buy-in. Did I not say that? I totally missed the mark. No, but that's okay. Now I know. (laughs) I'd mentioned it earlier. (laughs) Um, So with that being said, if you are not an EB Teachers Club member yet, we definitely invite you to put your name on the wait list. You'll be one of the first to know when we open enrollment, which we will be doing um, at the end of December, just a little hint. So if you go to ebacademics.com forward slash membership, you can add your name to the wait list and then be on the lookout as we get closer to the end of December when we're opening enrollment to a new cohort of teachers. So hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your week. We will be back next week on the podcast to talk about the perfect unit that you can do after your winter break. And then I think that that is the last That's a wrap for 2021. For 2020. Yeah. 2021. Yes. Oh my God. Okay. We're Such a blur. We're taking the last week of December off. We're going to enjoy the holidays with our family. So we will not see you that last week of December. Just a little FYI. 28th, we won't be here. But we'll be back in the new year. um, And we'll see you guys next week on the podcast. Have a wonderful rest of your day, you guys. Bye, everyone.